And in this passage, we are able to see Paul's gifts and his heart's desire. What can he do? Well, Paul has a gift of preaching and teaching. He can preach the gospel and can teach people from God's Word. He puts it like this in verse 28 in chapter 1. He says, we proclaim Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. So, the Lord has gifted Paul as an apostle and has gifted his fellow workers to do this task. And specifically, the Holy Spirit has given Paul wisdom because he needs wisdom. What he is called to do is by no means easy, because part of this teaching involves him admonishing. That means he is to caution or correct other people, or as the ESV puts it, warning everyone. It's not an easy task. And there's something that we learn in these verses about spiritual gifts that I think is really helpful and important for us to hear as we work our way through this series. As we think about what it means to be spiritually gifted, if we have spiritual gifts, does that mean that what we're called to do comes really easily to us? that there is absolutely no effort required, that it is simply God working through us, and so for us, it is a really easy thing. Well, in this passage, Paul strikes a balance in how he, he describes using his gifts in the service of the Lord. Look again at verse 29 at the end of chapter 1, and note what Paul says. He tells us, to this end, I labor, struggling with all His energy, which so powerfully works in me. So, Paul's saying, look, I work really hard. My fellow workers and I, we struggle at times in doing this task, but Paul works hard in God's strength. And we can identify with this, when we seek to use our God-given gifts in the service of the Lord, when we seek to serve God and serve others and work within the church and outside the church. So, I think about my job of preaching as an example of that. And sometimes when, I, when I've been preaching, people say to me, how do you actually do that? I mean, how do you sit down and begin to write a sermon and get all of that prepared to, to get up and speak in church. And I have to say that constantly, and I really mean this, constantly I'm aware of God's equipping and the Spirit's help in that process. So much so that, uh, as my family will testify, sometimes at the most inconvenient moments when we're about to eat or when we're about to do something, I disappear off. I say, look, I just need to go for a couple of minutes because this has just come into my mind, and I need to get this down on paper, or more importantly, I need to get this on the screen. And I sit down, and I, I, I work away at the keyboard until all of that stuff is put out there. 
And sometimes there is that idea, or there's that breakthrough, or there's that outline. But I want you to know it is a real struggle, that it requires big effort. It it doesn't just happen by magic. And then you think about the areas of service that you're involved in, in the church of Jesus Christ. And you can testify to this reality as well. When serving the Lord, we put in the effort. It, it, It is labor. It is at times struggle, as Paul talks about here. But we are wonderfully equipped to do it. So, that Paul tells us, I labor, struggling with all his energy. So, that's what Paul can do in God's strength. But what is it that he wants? What is his heart's desire as he seeks to serve the Lord? Well, he summarizes it back in chapter 1 and verse 28. He says, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. That's what Paul is all about in his ministry of preaching and teaching, to enable people to come to Christ and become just like Christ. And he expands on this purpose then in chapter 2, verse 2. Look at what he tells us there. He says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Paul's heart desire is to make Christ known. And his desire is that those that he is teaching will mature in their faith and their knowledge of Jesus. It really is all about Jesus for Paul. And as we look at those words, as we listen to Paul's teaching and his purpose tonight, that is a really good aim for us to have. Is it what motivates us in our service in this church? In Connor, our goal is to see unbelieving people become lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we proclaim. That is our mission statement. Look up our website, our Facebook page, and you'll see that there in black and white. It's what we're all about. But as Paul talks about this, in this passage, he also gives us a warning that as we think about spiritual gifts, Paul is really careful to teach these people the truth so that they will be protected from those who have other motives. He speaks about those people in verse 4 of chapter 2. He says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. You see, in Paul's day, in this church and in other churches in this area, there were impressive people speaking in these churches. And these people were articulate. They were easy to listen to. They were good speakers, but they were not proclaiming the true gospel. They majored on telling people what they wanted to hear rather than what they needed to hear. 
and they were good at doing this. They were good at doing this because they were able to use their God-given natural talents. They did not possess spiritual gifts, but just like any fine orator, they had natural God-given talents, and they used them in the life of the church. And we need to know that exactly the same applies today. And you see, the thing for us is that 50 years ago, a hundred years ago in the life of this church, we would not have been open to such influences. We would have not been subject to such teachers. But today is different. And while I, as the minister of this congregation, while we as the elders can protect this pulpit and keep those kind of people away from this pulpit, we can't keep all of this congregation away from their influence in this age of YouTube and all of the other resources out there. And you can be exposed to all kinds of teaching, and that teaching can sound plausible. It can look right. It can have the right kind of feel to it. The message can have a veneer of Christianity about it, but it is pointing people to a false gospel rather than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, people, we need great discernment. And part of what that discernment involves is not being so caught up in the gifts that people have, but being more interested in the heart that they demonstrate. Where does their heart lie? What is the motivation behind the things that they're doing? And as we think about that, we're going to watch a clip at this stage, which again shows us ordinary Presbyterians like us seeking to use their gifts in the service of the Lord, both within the church and outside the church. And as we listen to their stories, so we want to think about how do we know what it is that God wants us to do? How can we use our gifts? How can we follow those good desires in serving the Lord together?
I went to a school where, where there was a lot of slabbering, so I appreciated that wee bit at the end there. But here's what we're attempting to do um, tonight and over the course of this, this series, Prepared to Serve. We're trying to see where our God-given gifts and our God-given desires converge, where they come together, so that we can identify then areas of service within this church and in our everyday lives where we can be more effective in serving the Lord. And here's the, the key thing tonight. This is the thing that I want you to really understand and hear. This is teaching for us as a church, as the body of Christ here in Connor, because we need to know that the congregation plays a really important part in helping people find the right areas of service in their life. But how do we do that? How do we go about that? Well, we need to finish off with some words from the Lord Jesus at the end of Matthew chapter 9. So, turn in your Bible with me, please, to Matthew 9, and we're going to read together what Jesus says in verses 35 to 38 as we finish off with these verses. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, and this is God's Word. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When He saw the crowds, He had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then He said to His disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. Amen. And remember that what we have just read together is God's Word. So, while these men who wrote the four Gospels, those life accounts of the the ministry and the life of the Lord Jesus, while all of them are writing under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, their own personalities and priorities come out in their Gospels as they take and arrange the material that's available to them. So, in the case of three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these three Gospel writers are drawing from the same sources of information, speaking to the same people, getting the same recollections of Jesus' ministry, but they then arrange those recollections and those thoughts in different ways. So that here at the end of chapter 9, Matthew brings together and summarizes a couple of strands of information into one short passage. And over these past couple of sessions, we have been learning together from biblical examples of people who have both the right gifts and the right heart to serve the Lord. Last time we thought about Nehemiah, tonight we have been hearing about the example of the Apostle Paul. 
But of course, Jesus is the ultimate example of this, because Jesus was uniquely gifted. He, of course, had the right gifts as God's Son, acting with all of God's authority. He was uniquely gifted here on earth. And in the Gospels, we see and hear Jesus powerfully demonstrating that authority in the way that He teaches and in the way that He heals the miracles that He performed. As Matthew puts it here in verse 35, healing every disease and sickness. But the other thing about the Lord Jesus is that He is the ultimate example of someone having the right heart. Listen again to what we're told about Jesus in verse 36, that when He saw the crowds, He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that is a beautiful, grace-saturated verse. In fact, that verse and what we discover about Jesus here is our great hope as needy sinners. When we discover that Jesus is both able and willing to save those who are lost. But for our purposes tonight, here's the key bit in this passage as we think about our spiritual gifts. What is it that the Lord Jesus calls His disciples to do when confronted with this great spiritual need? Well, listen again to Jesus' words in verses 37 and 38. He tells His disciples then and now, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. And when we read those verses, and I think that they will be familiar verses to many people here tonight, we we often think that that is a call by the Lord Jesus for His followers to go and share the gospel with others. And of course, sharing the gospel with others is really, really important, but that's not actually what Jesus is commanding here. Look more closely at what He's saying. He's telling His disciples then, and He's telling those of us who are His disciples tonight, ask the Lord to send out workers into His harvest field. In other words, this is a call to pray. And when you think about it, that is not the approach that we often take in the life of churches like this one. Here's what often happens when it comes to workers in the field. We see a need. We see a vacancy. We see an area in church life where someone could be serving, and we tend to desperately look around and see if there's anyone available to fill that slot. And we match people who we think are free up to a slot with very little thought or prayer put into that, so that often they could be described as a round peg in a square hole. 
what we, we give them to do is neither what they are gifted for or what they have a great desire to do. They have no real interest in that area, no real passion to do this, but they feel obliged to do it nonetheless, not least because they've been asked. And in my experience of churches, we can especially do this with our younger people. We're eager for them to serve, and that is really good. We need to equip them to serve. And they get to a certain age, they get to a certain point, we feel they've graduated from their time in a youth group. So, what do we get them to do? Well, of course, we feed them straight into that youth work. Whether that's their desire, whether that's their natural gifting or not. But here's a very different approach. Based on the words of Jesus here in Matthew 9, an approach where we help people to identify both their gifts and their heart, where it is that their heart lies, what it is that makes them tick, what it is that interests them, what their passions are in life, and we then match them up with an area of service in church life that suits their gifts and their desires. And we not only land people into that, not only do we encourage them to serve, but we also as a church equip them to serve, both within the church and in their everyday life. And most of all, we pray praying together that God will show us who is the right person to serve Him in a particular way. And by doing that, we then send workers out into the field. And you'll see that once again, this comes back to prayer. And so, for us, that is a great challenge tonight, because frankly, not enough of us are praying together please come and join us on Wednesday evening. And I suspect that not enough of us are praying in our own time in the way that God calls us to do. So, as we leave tonight and as we continue to think about this, again, turning to the book, there's an opportunity on page 32 in the book to reflect on what you have identified as your God-given gifts and your God-given desires, and then to begin to see where they could fit in the life of this church and in life in general. What are the areas of service that God could be drawing you into, and what are the conversations that maybe you need to have? And we need to think about that together. I would be glad to talk to anyone about that. And we're going to pray now, and you can pray in your own time also using the prayer points on page 34. But let's seek the Lord in the light of what we have been hearing together from His Word this evening.